Let's be a life, no gimmick. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to the Triple S Podcast, back again for another NFL Weekly Recap. And in this episode, we got episode number five. So in this episode, unfortunately, my dad uh, was unable to join me. He had some uh, prior engagements to take care of. So it's just me today, and uh, for that reason, it'll be a audio only. Um, I'll still be posting this on YouTube. If you're on YouTube, uh, you'll obviously know that because that's where you're watching. Uh, but it just won't have any uh, video aspect to it. And uh, again, I, I realized uh, in the last NFL Weekly Recap, I stated at the beginning I was going to try and keep it shorter, and then it ended up being, uh, I think it was just under or just over an hour. So going to really try and stick to that from now on. Uh, worked out a few things with my dad, and uh, we're going to definitely be keeping those shorter, get you your information about uh, that week in the NFL, and then get out. All right, so we'll get right into it. Week five in the NFL. Let's recap it. So the Thursday night game, we had the LA Rams visiting the Seattle Seahawks. Um, we started off week five very in a very amazing way. That game came right down to the wire. Uh, there was a game-winning field goal attempt by the Rams and Greg Zerline, uh, who's usually a very reliable, you know, really good kicker, but unable unable to put that one through the post. And uh, the Rams fell 29 to 30. Um, another thing that I wanted to point out about this game, uh, in the last NFL recap, you'll notice that me and my dad, we talked about Todd Gurley's utilization. And we stressed that if he is unable to, to be the kind of player that they need him to be for them to be successful, which is, you know, kind of the bell cow kind of running back, uh, if he's unable to do that, then he shouldn't be he should just make the decision to retire and in that game he had 15 carries which isn't horrible and then he also added uh, three receptions for a total of only uh, I believe it was just under 60 yards I had two touchdowns on the ground so definitely working into the right direction in terms of being utilized more whereas last week I think he had five or six touches total up that this week to uh, to 18 which isn't bad but for a bell cow, you'd still like to see him get a little bit more touches, get a bit more involved. And you'd like to think that having a player of that caliber more involved could definitely swing you at least one point into uh, the right direction. And they could have got a win. So they definitely had chances to win that game. Uh, also, a big shout out to Seattle's Tedrick Thompson, who came up with what arguably is going to end up being the interception of the year. Uh, Seattle was or sorry, the Los Angeles Rams were going down to uh, try and attempt a game-winning field goal or touchdown. And uh, Russ or um, Jared Goff throws a ball. Should have been caught by Gerald Everett, I believe it was. Uh, but anyway, he dropped it, went behind. Tedrick Thompson just scoops under the ball, makes the play. Huge play for the Seattle Seahawks, and they get the win. I started that game as a potential game of the week. We'll round back at the end, and uh, I'll tell you what my game of the week was. Next game, we had the Jets visiting Philadelphia, and the final score of this game was 31-6 to for Philadelphia. Tough game for the Jets, but one thing I wanted to point out, um, if you're a Jets fan, I don't think it's time to, I mean, this season might not end up in a playoff season or a very successful season, but at the same time, I just wanted to kind of outline the fact that your defense did play very well that game. Maybe not very well, but they played well. 
the Jets defense, I believe, is top five in uh, in defending the run. So that's definitely a stat that you can look at and um, and hold on to if you're a Jets fan. And the other thing I want to point out is that although the game was 31 to six, only 17 of Philadelphia's points came off of offense. So if you're a defense and you hold the team to 17 points, that's not that bad. That's not that bad. Most most NFL teams would be happy with that, and they're going to figure their offense is going to put up more than 17 points. Um, so shout out to the Jets defense. The other points, I believe, came off of uh, defensive or special teams touchdowns. I wasn't able to tune into that entire game, but uh, I, did, I did know that for sure only 17 of those Philadelphia points came off of offense. So shout out to the Jets defense. Next game, we have the... Jacksonville Jaguars at Carolina and this was a uh, as we said in the last NFL recap a battle of two young quarterbacks who are kind of filling in for uh, their respective injured starters uh, Gardner Minshew filling in for the injured Nick Foles and then uh, Allen filling in for the injured Cam Newton and that game finished 27-34 in favor of the Carolina Panthers Allen I believe is still undefeated as the starter for the Carolina Panthers uh, similar to kind of t- Teddy Bridgewater situation where he's come in for the uh, New Orleans Saints. So that was a great game also. I've started as a potential game of the week. Uh, it had a lot of intrigue, came down to the last drive where Gardner Minshew had a chance to, you know, keep that Minshew mania alive and potentially drive down the field and uh, and get a game-winning touchdown. Unfortunately for him, wasn't able to pull it together, though, and Carolina held on for the win. Big performance in that game by Christian McCaffrey. And let me tell you guys, my dad said in the last episode, but just have to reiterate it, this guy is legit. He's flying into the end zone doing front flips. He had a huge game running the ball, huge game catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, And at this point, he's honestly in the MVP conversation. Uh, He is playing out of his mind. And it's funny to see because I I follow an account on Instagram called Freezing Cold Takes. And uh, it's just hilarious to see when players that are absolute studs uh, back in their college days or whenever it may be earlier in their NFL careers, they get uh, they get shade thrown on them by uh, scouts or coaches. And then you go back and you look at them now and they're just absolutely tearing it up and you think like, what was that person thinking? But anyway, we'll move on. Great game by uh, Christian McCaffrey. Great game by Allen. Carolina comes up with the win. Next game we have Minnesota at the New York Giants. This is a game that to be honest, kind of surprised me. Um, the Giants uh, were kind of on a hot streak. Uh, they have the the rookie sensation Danny Dimes, who has been playing really good football lately. And although they were 2-2, two and two, I looked at the fact that uh, Kirk Cousins is historically bad, historically bad against winning teams. And although the Giants were only 2-2, two and two, the fact that they had won two straight, I kind of considered them in that winning team category for the time being. And uh, I kind of just assumed that they would be they would be able to ride that wave, especially being at home. Uh, despite missing Saquon, they would be able to ride that wave and beat Minnesota. What I did not account for was Minnesota's defense. They definitely came out to play. Uh, they shut the Giants down pretty much at every turn. Not having Saquon definitely hurts, and they'll be missing him for one more week before I think he'll be back. <coughs> but, uh, yeah, definitely. And let's not also just breeze past the fact that Kirk Cousins did show up to play. He was called out a little bit. Uh, I mean, the whole offense was called out by some of their star players. 
Adam Thielen, as well as Stephon Diggs. And those two both had big games. Uh, they were both able to bounce back, you know, and Kirk Cousins was able to bounce back. So shout out to that whole offense. They definitely proved me wrong. They came out with the win 28-10. to 10. All right, so the next game we have, we have Atlanta visiting Houston. Uh, both teams coming off of losses. Houston's was a little bit more surprising than Atlanta's last week. But nonetheless, Houston was able to take care of business at home. Will Fuller had a monster game. Monster game. I was uh, watching the game with my dad and my cousin Joey, uh, who will actually be on the podcast very soon. And uh, he had Will Fuller in his fantasy team. And every, I'd say, five to ten minutes, he was just going, woo, because Will Fuller had made another play. Finished the game with over 10 catches, over 200 yards receiving. And I believe he had either two or three touchdowns. But just a huge game by Will Fuller. Huge game by Deshaun Watson, also who I believe threw for five touchdowns. Uh, final score was 53-32 to 32 for Houston. Big shout out to Houston. They're uh, definitely on the up and up now. Even though they had, been, uh, they had lost the previous game, I look for them to bounce back and start to kind of go on one of those runs similar to what they had last year when they uh, started that playoff push. Next up, Tampa Bay visiting uh, New Orleans. A divisional game. Definitely had high expectations for that game. Thought Tampa Bay could come in and kind of end the Teddy Bridgewater, the Teddy Bridgewater wave, but he was able to keep it going. Stays undefeated as the New Orleans replacement quarterback while Breeze is out. And there were a bit of questions about Teddy Bridgewater's health, also uh, whether he'd play through that injury or not. And he definitely was able to not only play through that injury but shine through that injury. Threw for four touchdown passes. Had a monster game. And uh, the Saints were able to pull it out for a victory. The score is a little bit misleading in that Tampa Bay scored their last touchdown with, I believe, 12 or 13 seconds left. So kind of a garbage time touchdown. And then they attempted an onside kick. Weren't able to come up with it. But uh, it was still a a good win for New Orleans. Tampa Bay played well in flashes, but not enough to come away with the W. Uh, Next game we have Buffalo at Tennessee. Kind of an eyesore to watch, to be honest with you. Uh, A defensive struggle, and it was also played with a lot of offensive mistakes on both ends. Uh, Both quarterbacks took some sacks where they might have held the ball a little bit too long. Mariota definitely, or Crappyota, let's call him, uh, definitely more than Josh Allen. Uh, But nonetheless, Josh Allen made the plays that he needed to make when he needed to make them. Scrambled for a big run uh, to ice the game near the end. Um, Mariota did his thing, uh, or Crapiota, I should say, did his thing uh, in terms of messing up. <laughs> he missed some open receivers at times. Uh, he took a lot of sacks. I, I don't have the number in front of me, but I watched the uh, I watched the game live, and I also watched uh, a highlight recap video a little bit ago, and the amount of times that I would just watch a play, and he's sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, and then he gets hit. To me, it, it has to be, you have to have that internal clock as a quarterback where, okay, I drop back, I've made my first read, okay, it's not there. I've made my second read, it's not there. I've made my third read, and at that point, if you're not already pulling the trigger on your third read, especially as a mobile quarterback, you have to have that internal clock to say, there's no way my I'm going to have this much time, I need to take off and run. And we, we know that Mariota is capable of doing so, he's a fast quarterback, uh, but unfortunately, in this game for him, he was unable to to make those plays with his legs when he needed to most. 
took a whole bunch of sacks, only came up with seven points. Uh, wildly ineffective passing the ball too. So Buffalo came away with the W, and uh, they stay they stay hot. They're in a playoff position as it stands. Uh, we'll see if they can keep that up. They'll definitely need to clean up that offense, but uh, they definitely played well enough to win, and they won 14-7. to Next game, Arizona at Cincinnati. The first win for Cliff Kingsbury, the first win for Kyler Murray in the pros, so congratulations to both of those two. Game finished 26-23, to and uh, although they got the win, they shouldn't be too, too happy with the performance, in my opinion, just because they had a bigger lead uh, going into the fourth quarter, but Cincinnati was able to put up some points and make a slight comeback and even looked at times like they might come all the way back and win the game. Uh, but fortunately for Arizona, they weren't able to. Uh, they made some key plays near the end when they needed to. And Kyler Murray, I believe, had a pretty big game rushing the ball. I believe he had uh, 10 carries for 90 or so yards and a touchdown. David Johnson played well also. And, uh, I mean, these the, both of these teams, Cincinnati is still winless. Arizona is 1-3-1. and I don't have the highest expectations for these teams. But in terms of watching these games... One of the things I like to look for is young talent. And both of these teams in certain areas have young talent. Tyler Boyd on the Cincinnati Bengals. John Ross, even though he's kind of simmered down from his hot start, you could tell that there's players on each team that have a lot of talent. Kyler Murray on Arizona. Uh, David Johnson is starting to age out a bit, but he still has a, a few good years in him, I would say. And it's, it's nice to see that there's still hope for these teams. They're building for sure. Uh, but it's nice to see that there's pieces in play. There's other teams that you might not be able to say that for, uh, especially my team, the Miami Dolphins. But even then, they have some pieces in play. But it's definitely, uh, it, it makes every game exciting to watch, even if the teams in that game aren't the best teams. Next up, we have New England at Washington. Uh, New England did as expected. They wiped the floor with Washington, even though it was an away game. Came away with a 33-7 win. Tom Brady looked a bit shaky uh, to start the game out, threw a pick, had some incompletions. Washington's defense looked like they were going to hang around for a little bit, but with the great teams, uh, it's it's never going to be enough to, to just kind of shut them down near the beginning. It's just not sustainable against an offense, an offensive mind and a player that is as accurate as Tom Brady is and just how good Bill Belichick is at looking at what's going wrong, dissecting the problem, and making adjustments and corrections. It was only a matter of time until New England opened it up. And in the second half, that's exactly what they did. Put up a lot of points and won 33-7. Next game, we have the Baltimore Ravens at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that was a sneaky good game of the week. A sneaky good game of the week. Uh, although it was played with, with offensive mistakes... Definitely by Lamar Jackson. Uh, Pittsburgh definitely made some offensive mistakes too. Uh, so that's going to happen when you start a uh, first-year or second-year quarterback. But uh, in terms of a defensive game, and when you think of Pittsburgh and Baltimore historically, those are always defensive struggles, uh, division game, you know, a lot of grit, a lot of animosity between the teams. It kind of was a bit reminiscent of that, of that kind of style of play. Earl Thomas was flying around the field making plays. He did have that one illegal hit on uh, Mason Rudolph that concussed him, and it was pretty scary to watch, especially as someone who suffered a uh, head and neck injury. But nonetheless, it, it just was, to me, a sign of 
I don't think he intentionally tried to hurt him. I think it was more so just that aggression and that uh, that fire, you know, to, to run in and make a play. And people have to understand, too, that in football, it's such a it's such a bang bang sport. Things happen so quickly. Uh, other than Vontez Perfect, and there's a, a few select ones like Ndamukong Sue, I don't think I've ever seen uh, in the in the professionals, like in the NFL or in my days playing. There's not a lot of times where I've seen dirty players who intentionally target the head. They're definitely out there, but I think for the most part, when you see that kind of play, and sometimes it gets misconstrued, but I think when you see that type of play, for the most part, it's just a guy trying to make a play. And the guy that has the ball will duck his head at the last second to protect himself. And you might have originally been aiming at his chest, but then he ducks his head, turns into head-to-head contact. It's it's such a fast a fast incident that I find it hard to, to label these players as... Because I've seen some posts that Earl Thomas is a dirty player, this was a dirty hit. And uh, I just don't agree with that. I believe that it was just a bang-bang play, and he didn't have any intent to to hurt Mason Rudolph. Nonetheless, Baltimore came away with the win. Uh, but despite that, uh, Lamar Jackson in two straight games has looked a little bit shaky. Uh, he's missing throws. He's looking like he's not not confident in his legs, which to me is a little crazy. He's one of the best, if not the best, running quarterback in the league right now. Uh, And for that reason, he took a few sacks. And similar to what I was saying with um, Marcus Crapiota or Mariota, um, I believe that Baltimore should be should be encouraging Lamar Jackson to when he doesn't see that that first or second throwing option, take off, man. Like, don't don't worry about the third option or well, obviously, sometimes you'll have to hit that third option, but don't worry so much about it in terms of staying in the pocket so long that you're going to take a sack. He has such a dynamic set of legs that he can make a lot of plays with his legs. He needs to be able to take off quicker and more often if Baltimore wants to beat some of the more premier teams in the league. Because Pittsburgh right now is kind of decimated. They're down to their second or third quarterback, depending on Mason Rudolph's status. And to only beat them 26-3, to even though it's an away game, uh, it should be a cause for concern, honestly, if you're Baltimore, uh, moving forward. Next game, we go down to London, or actually I think it was uh, Tottenham, where the Chicago Bears took on Oakland. This was a game I was really excited for. So Khalil Mack was traded to the Chicago Bears last season uh, from Oakland, and I believe this was his first time playing them since. Uh, pro- definitely a lot of animosity. There were some words exchanged. Khalil Mack got was definitely still a bit salty about that trade. Um, facing his old team, I thought that Chicago would be able to get the win, but unfortunately for them, Mitch Trubisky wasn't able to play. Chase Daniels stepped in in relief and was a shitong, complete shitong. Through two picks at two crucial moments, Oakland came away with a 24 to 21 win, and uh, that game gets honorable mention for game of the week, and uh, we'll be back to that uh, to discuss that in a little bit. So next game, we have Denver at the Chargers. Final score was 20-13 to for Denver. They get their first win of the season in L.A. against the Chargers, who are supposed to be, and I, I emphasize that part, supposed to be a very good team. So that game was uh, definitely a shock to most, including myself. Uh, I think in the football pool I'm in, maybe one, or I think it was two people picked Denver out of 31. 
So that just goes to show what kind of expectations there were going into that game. But Denver's defense looked very solid. I mean, they have playmakers on that defense. Bradley Chubb, Vaughn Miller, Chris Harris Jr. Um, they have a lot of guys that can make plays, and they did just that on the weekend. They were able to limit uh, a very explosive L.A. Chargers team to only 13 points. And uh, one thing that I'd like to note is that Melvin Gordon, if I was Melvin Gordon, I'd be a bit worried just because the fact that when Austin Eckler had been the premier back for the games prior to to uh, Melvin Gordon ending his holdout, he was putting up monster numbers. He was Well, maybe not monster numbers, but he was putting up big numbers. And now that Melvin Gordon's returned, if I was Melvin Gordon, I would almost feel the need to almost replicate or go above and beyond the numbers that my backup or my supposed backup was putting up. But he came back. I believe he had 51 yards rushing, which isn't isn't the greatest outing. Had a couple of receptions also, but uh, wasn't wasn't a big game for him at all. Uh, he'll definitely look to bounce back next week. So we'll see if he can do that. Next game we have Green Bay at Dallas. Another star for your potential game of the week. Dallas storms into, or sorry, Green Bay storms into Dallas and gets a 34-24 win. For me, it was a very convincing win. And although the, the Dallas Cowboys were able to put up 24 points, which isn't half bad, uh, I believe that the Green Bay Packers defense still had a, a very good outing. They made Dak Prescott look very ineffective. Uh, Dak Prescott, to me, in that game and in the last two games has not looked good. Uh, he's actually up for uh, Shitong of the Week this week. He's a nominee. So we'll see if he could take that home. Uh, Green Bay, man, they they played really well. Aaron Jones, four touchdowns. Huge game. I think that ties a franchise record with a now Cowboy, uh, former Packer, uh, Randall Cobb, who I believe had a touchdown in that game too. So shout out to Randall Cobb. Uh, but big game for Green Bay. Aaron Jones played well also. Did what he had to do. Um, and came away with the win, 34-24 in Dallas. Huge game for them. Next game we have Indianapolis at Kansas City. Another surprise result in that one, in my opinion. Final score was 19-13. Holding Kansas City to 13 points uh, is a huge, huge accomplishment. I can't stress that enough. They're one of the most offensively firepowered juggernaut teams in the league. They have weapons all over the place uh, but unfortunately for them they have they have been kind of subject of injuries lately so Tyreek Hill didn't play in that game Sammy Watkins is injured now and the biggest one of them all is Patrick Mahomes so in that game he aggravated his ankle he had a he initially kind of sprained it I, I believe or he had a slight ankle injury and then later in the game as he was dropping back and uh, getting ready to make a throw he was stepped on by one of his offensive linemen, and it just re-aggravated the injury. Uh, I was watching that game live, and to watch the, the ankle kind of fold when the offensive lineman stepped on it, it was a little bit uh, a little bit hard to watch. And the fact that Mahomes even finished that game, to me, was very impressive. Uh, they had to tape it up, and uh, it just shows how much of a warrior he was to be able to finish that game because you can just imagine already having an ankle injury and then having a 300-pound man, a 300-pound man, with all of his force step back as he's being pushed by another 300-pound man, a defensive lineman, right all of that weight onto your ankle. Uh, that could not have felt good. 
He definitely didn't look, look good walking off the field. And uh, after that point, after his, in, his ankle had been uh, further injured, he was a little less effective. He took a few sacks because he wasn't able to escape as he does so well usually when he's able to run, uh, which limits a lot of what Kansas City does. They roll Mahomes out a lot. He's almost at his best when he's outside of the pocket improvising, throwing those throws across his body. So for him to go down with that ankle injury uh, definitely helped Indianapolis's cause. Nonetheless, they played well on offense. They played well on defense. Marlon Mack had a huge game running the ball, and uh, they came away with a 19-13 win. Next game we have, last game of the week, was on Monday night. Cleveland traveled to San Francisco, and they looked horrible. Lost 31-3. Baker Mayfield, man, get it together. You're up for Shitong of the week. Uh, Freddie Kitchens, you too, man. Get it together. You have playmakers everywhere. Uh, I think that Baker Mayfield is overthinking a little bit. Because when I watch that game, there's a lot of times where I believe that he should just let the ball fly. Give your give your player a chance. Uh, one thing that I've been told and that I've heard a lot of coaches say when it comes to football is sometimes when you're a quarterback, you have to look at the matchup and say, you know what, my guy is better than their guy. I'm going to give my guy a chance. In, that's not always the best course of action, obviously. If it, if it was, or if you thought it was, you'd throw a lot of picks, which I believe he's trying to avoid. But at the same time, you do have to kind of take that advice to a degree. There's times where maybe it look might look like Odell Beckham Jr. is covered, or it might look like Jarvis Landry's covered, but how many times have we seen those two guys make ridiculous plays on the ball, and it looks like there's, there's players draped all over them? Look at the catch, for example when Odell Beckham made that catch over, uh, I believe it was Brandon Carr. He looked like he was covered. He was being pushed, held out of bounds, but he's such a dynamic athlete that he's able to fight through and make that play. So I believe that Baker Mayfield's got to let it fly a little more. Um, he, To me, he's a gunslinger. And if you're going to be a gunslinger and be successful, you got to let it fly. So Baker Mayfield, start letting it fly, or you're going to keep piling up the 31-3 to kind of losses. So that caps it off for our recaps of the week. And uh, so we'll we'll get to our game of the week. The nominees are L.A. at Seattle, um, Chicago at Oakland, Green Bay at Dallas. And my game of the week this week is going to be the Thursday night game, the L.A. Rams at Seattle. Uh, that game to me had everything. It had defensive huge plays. It had offensive huge plays. In terms of defense, I'm mostly talking about the Tedrick Thompson interception. And then on offense, they had uh, the Tyler Lockett toe-tap catch. That was insane. Uh, at first glance, I kind of had a feeling watching it live. I was like, I think he might have tapped his toes there. And then they showed the replay, and he had maybe five blades of grass between his toes and that white chalk. And he was able to get his toes down, secure the catch. Ball didn't move whatsoever. So, I mean, as a receiver... That's the kind of play you dream of. So to watch Tyler Lockie make that play was a huge play. Um, so that was my game of the week for week five. Next up, um, a segment that was actually hard to do this week just because there was so many shitongs, but shitong of the week for week five. So the nominees we have are Philip Rivers, who went 32 of 48, 211 yards and two INTs. Dak Prescott, who looked very ineffective, took some sacks, and threw three interceptions. Marcus Crapiota, who took a lot of sacks as well, 
And for me, the, the big play that put Marcus Mariota on this list, or Crapiota, was on the game, potential game-winning drive, or sorry, uh, go-ahead drive to, to make it, um, I believe it was 7-7 at the time, to make it 14-7. On third and goal, he rolls to his right, and to me, it looked like he might have been able to scramble in and maybe sneak in, dive in for a touchdown. But what he did was he rolled out, he's still looking for an option, he's still looking for an option to throw, and he's rolling, he's rolling to his right, and he passes the line of scrimmage. So at that point, I'm like, oh, he's got to run. But he's still looking for an option. He sees um, A.J. Brown open in the end zone, most likely because the defense thought, as I thought, well, now he's got to run. So he throws it to A.J. Brown. He's a good yard over the line of scrimmage. So the play gets called back, obviously. Loss it down, fourth down. And then Cairo Santos, to put the cherry on top, misses the kick, which leads me into my next shitong of the week, uh, Cairo Santos. 0 of 4. 0 of 4. And he's out of a job now for good reason. Uh, played horrible. 0 of 4. And to go 0 of 4, that's 12 points. 12 points as a kicker that you missed out on. Granted, two of those kicks were from 50 plus. But at the same time, we have kickers that can hit from 60. So to me, it, it's not so much an excuse that it's a long kick. It's a little harder, but you should still make at least one of those kicks would have even been nine points and you only lost by seven. So even if he would have hit three of four, it would have still been a potential win for his team. And uh, he wasn't able to come up with a single kick other than his extra point. So Cairo Santos, you're on the list too. Second last one, Chase Daniel, who had two INTs. One of them was on a potential game-winning drive. Um, he, it, There was no receiver kind of anywhere in the frame when he threw the ball to Gary on Connolly. And his second interception was also kind of untimely. I think it was right at the end of the second half, or um, sorry, the first half before halftime when they were also driving to try and put some points on the board. So Chase Daniel also had a few throws that just kind of looked wildly inaccurate in my opinion. And But ultimately, I believe that this week, uh, it's hard to not give it to Cairo Santos or Marcus Mariota, but this week, my shit tongue of the week is Baker Mayfield. Listen to this stat line. Baker Mayfield went 8 for 22 for 100 yards flat and two interceptions. 8 of 22 for 100 yards and two interceptions. That is putrid. For a quarterback, that is horrible. Not only that, he also took some sacks. Uh, Nick Bosa had a field day. Shout out to Nick Bosa. And he even, because uh, I am an Ohio State Buckeyes fan in the NCAA so it was nice to see him uh, kind of throw a bit of shade back at Baker Mayfield because back when Baker was at o uh, Oklahoma and they beat Ohio State at Ohio State, Baker thought it was fitting to bring out his Oklahoma flag and plant it on the O at Ohio State, which I personally found a little disrespectful. So after one of his sacks, Nick Bosa you know, kind of imitated the celebration. He waved his imaginary flag and planted it at the San Francisco field which to me was a was a pretty cool celebration. And that game to me acted as kind of Nick Bosa's coming out party and Baker Mayfield's uh, shit-tong party. All right, next up, I'm not going to not gonna really do a hot or not segment anymore, but I'm just going to outline a few players that are on the up and up. So firstly, I want to outline Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey had a huge game. He went 19 carries, 176 yards, two touchdowns, 
He also added six receptions for 61 yards and another touchdown. That is a monster game. If you know anything about the sport of football, you know that that is a huge game. And in a game where your team only wins by a touchdown, to know that you had that big of an impact, um, that is pretty huge. So shout out to Christian McCaffrey. Huge game. Next up, I wanted to give a shout out to the Oakland Raiders, who are now winners of three straight. And no one's really talking about the Raiders. Uh, they have kind of a bad rep just because of the whole Antonio Brown saga and um, the fact that their their roster isn't the most talented, but they're they're finding ways to win. They beat the Bears, who were at the time were three and one. Looked like the Bears were probably going to be able to get that win. And uh, the word I would use in that game is definitely vindication for John Gruden, who caught a lot of slack when he traded Khalil Mack. Maybe rightfully so, but he was able to show that not only is he able to win without Khalil Mack. He's able to win against Khalil Mack, which to me was huge. And I know for John Gruden, that definitely meant a lot. And uh, also a big shout out to Josh Jacobs, who had a huge game, huge game. Josh Jacobs went, uh, I believe it was 26 carries, 123 yards, two touchdowns rushing. And he also had uh, a couple catches for just over 20 yards. So big game for Josh Jacobs, big game for the Raiders. They are definitely hot right now. And last but not least... I want to give a shout out to, I, I, it's it's funny to me because I'm putting, uh, I put Crapiota and Cairo Santos on the Shitong of the Week potential list, but I want to give a shout out on the hot list to the Tennessee defense. The Tennessee defense has been playing good football. Uh, they held what is supposed to be a decent offense in Buffalo to only 14 points. Kevin Byard made huge plays. He had two pass deflections and interception on third down off of Josh Allen. Uh, big game for him, big game for that defense in general who sacked Josh Allen quite a few times. Logan Ryan, the expatriate, had a few sacks uh, from his DB position, which was impressive. So not all hope is lost for the Tennessee Titans. You definitely have, uh, you have a little bit to look into with your defense there. And another defense I wanted to give a little shout out to was the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Nick Bosa, as I just mentioned, had a huge game. Richard Sherman had an interception. And then uh, they had another interception down in the red zone off of a crazy double tip, uh, which was pretty cool to watch too. So San Francisco defense, Tennessee defense on the hot list for now. Uh, keep it up. And last but not least, I'll get into my week six predictions. So I'm doing very badly this season in my, uh, in my predictions pool that I'm in with my dad. I'm in last place currently. So what I decided to do this week is to just go with my immediate gut. I just looked at the game, didn't do any outside research or read any columnist posts. I'm just going to look at the game, my immediate decision, and uh, that's what I'm going to go with. So I wrote down my picks for, for week six. Thursday night game, we had the Giants one more game without Saquon Barkley going against New England. I'm going with New England for sure. Next up, we have Carolina at Tampa Bay. Uh, in the UK, which could be a honorable mention for game of the week. We'll see. And in that game, I'm going to go with Carolina. Uh, had it been in Tampa Bay, I might have been more inclined to pick Tampa Bay. But the fact that even though it's a home game for Tampa Bay, it's in London. So it's kind of an away game for both teams. I'm going to go with Carolina. I believe that uh, Allen will be able to ride that hot streak that he's been on and get another W for his team. Next up, Philadelphia at Minnesota. I've started that as a potential game of the week, and I'm going to go with Philadelphia. Next up, 
We have the New Orleans Saints going against the Jacksonville Jaguars. In this game, I'm going with the New Orleans Saints. Teddy Bridgewater's looked really good. Uh, and even though Minshew is going to be playing another game at home, um, and I don't, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that I believe the Minshew mania is, is over quite yet. I still think he's a, a, a solid quarterback. I believe that in this game, Teddy Bridgewater and that Saints defense is going to be too much to handle for, for Minshew and the Jags. Next up, the game that a lot of people are calling the Tank Bowl. We have Washington going up against my team, the Miami Dolphins, in Miami. Uh, I was a little a little disappointed, a little disrespected that Miami is now 3.5 point underdogs against Washington. Even though the game is in Miami, both teams are, are winless, and Washington actually is, has a worse record of 0-5 compared to Miami's 0-4. But uh, I'm going to go with my team in this one, not just because it's my team, but because I believe that uh, Josh Rosen, who has looked good, is going to be able to pull out that first win as a Dolphin. Uh, he's looked good in, in, in a few points in the last few games. And going against a weak team uh, in Washington, I believe he'll be able to pull it all together and pull out a win in that game. Next up, Houston at Kansas City. That game should be good. I've started that as a potential game of the week. And I've picked Kansas City for now. I've picked Kansas City for now. But the one thing that I want to look at, and I know I said I wouldn't do this. I wanted to just come up and pick my teams. Uh, I want to look at how Patrick Mahomes' ankle progresses through the week. Because... We saw what happened last week when he wasn't able to roll out, when he wasn't able to make those dynamic plays with his legs. Uh, and if he's unable to do that, if I if I see any kind of report that either he, he won't play, which I don't believe will happen, but if he's still kind of lingering with that ankle, I might be able to I might want to switch my pick to Houston just because they are a good team too. They're coming off a big win, and Deshaun Watson is playing pretty good football right now. So I believe they might be able to come in and get that win off of the Chiefs, especially seeing that the Chiefs' defense is so porous and Houston is just coming off a 52-point performance. Uh, if Patrick Mahomes isn't able to get healthy or perfectly healthy, healthy before Sunday, I might be switching that pick to Houston, but for now, I'm going to go with KC. Next up, Cincinnati at Baltimore. Uh, that one's an easy one for me, even though Baltimore's looked a little shaky and as Lamar Jackson's looked a bit shaky. Uh, playing Cincinnati, uh, I believe they're going to be able to come away with a W. Cincinnati has looked worse than than Baltimore by far, uh, even though Baltimore is uh, has looked pretty bad. Next up, Seattle at Cleveland. I'm going to go with Seattle in that game. And after that, we have San Francisco at the Rams. Uh, that one is a tough one for me. Uh, I'm going to start as a game of the, a potential game of the week. And uh, I'm going to go with the Rams in that one. Even though San Francisco is undefeated, everyone's got to lose sometime. No one is my 72 Dolphins, you know what I'm saying, undefeated. Hopefully we'll remain the only undefeated team ever. We'll see about that, though. Uh, unless another Dolphins team, you know, of course, can, can come through in uh, maybe, let's say, 20 years. <laughs> Not anytime soon. But in that game, I'm going to go with the Rams just because they're playing at home. Uh, I believe they have a lot to prove. They have a lot of doubters right now, and uh, Todd Gurley's going to have a lot to prove too. People that keep talking about his knee, and uh, I, I just think that they'll be able to get that that win, get it done at home. Next up, Atlanta at Arizona. This one for me was also a little bit tough to call, but the way Atlanta's looked recently, I, I can't pick them in this game. Uh, away from home, they've looked very shaky. Even though they just put up 32 points, their defense also allowed 52, so... I'm going to go with Arizona in this. The young kid, Kyler Murray, is going to get it done. 
in the next game I'm picking a, a, a pretty big upset here but I'll explain why so it's the Dallas Cowboys going traveling to New York to play the Jets so I'm picking the Jets in this game for two reasons the first reason being Sam Darnold is back so the, the biggest issue right now for the New York Jets has been their offense Luke Falk has not looked great at all uh, he's, he's throwing pick sixes he's He's just he's playing horrible football, to be completely honest with you. But at the same time, Le'Veon Bell has been somehow putting up pretty respectable numbers, even though defenses are able to almost entirely key in on him because they don't respect what Luke Falk does at all. But now they get Sam Darnold back, who's been cleared to play for this weekend, who is definitely a ginormous upgrade from Luke Falk. <laughs> You know, legitimate starting quarterback can can definitely go at go in and win you games. So the return of Sam Darnold is number one. Number two is the fact that, as I was mentioning before, the Jets' defense is a sneaky, sneaky good defense. Jamal Adams, Leonard Williams, they have playmakers on defense. I believe C.J. Mosley is out, but uh, even even without C.J. Mosley, they have defensive playmakers who are going to come in and I think shock a lot of people. Not only that, Dallas hasn't looked good recently. So playing away from home against a good defense and a quarterback who's just coming back from injury so he should be fresh, I think that's a recipe for disaster for Dallas. So that's my upset pick of the week. I'm going to go with the New York Jets. Next up, Tennessee against Denver. I'm picking Denver. Uh, then we have Pittsburgh traveling to L.A. to play the Chargers. And in that game, we don't know yet if uh, Mason Rudolph will be able to play. I personally think he will, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. But regardless of if he plays or not, I'm going to go with the Chargers in that game. And then uh, last but not least, we have the Monday night game. Uh, Green Bay is hosting the Detroit Lions. I feel like it's a very popular uh, Thanksgiving Sunday game. But uh, in that game, I'm going to pick Green Bay, and I've started as a potential game of the week. So that wraps it up for uh, my predictions. On the bye week this week, we have Buffalo, Chicago, Indianapolis, and Oakland. And last but not least, my game of the week for week six, I'm going to have to go ahead and give it to the Monday game. Detroit going to Green Bay, uh, two explosive offenses, and uh, I think it's just going to be a shootout, classic Sunday, um, or Monday, sorry, Thanksgiving game. I'm expecting a lot from that game, but Green Bay is going to come out with the W in my opinion. So from the Triple S Podcast, that wraps it up for my week five NFL recap. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and I'll be back again soon with a lot more. So take care. Yeah. This be a life, no gimmick.